Adam 12. Adam 12. Cop Talk America's on the air. Copy. Put me 10-6. I'm tuning into Cop Talk America. Welcome to Cop Talk America, where police discuss the job, answer questions, and respond to law enforcement hot topics around our great nation. With over 100 years combined law enforcement experience, here's your host. Welcome to another episode of Cop Talk America, where uh, we only care about the truth, not your feelings. And today we're joined by Jerry, Jeff, uh, Jarvis, and I'm Dave, and we got a special guest from the... uh, Illinois Pension Board that's going to be talking. His first name Sean. Uh, something else that we were going to bring up that you're working on in Springfield, I think we'll go ahead and bring it up right now if that's all right, uh, some PTSD legislation. Right, right. And what, what, what you got going on with that? Um, it was about two years ago. I wrote legislation called the um, First Responders uh, Suicide Prevention Act. Basically what, it, what it's designed to do is it's designed to encourage, like, departments, fire, police, whatever, to – um, start some sort of program, whether it's a peer support system, some sort of you know, program to address the day in and day out mental fatigue that these officers have. Um, and in the language, in the, you know, you get opposition for it. You got a lot of pros to it. But in the but in the language, the crux of it's confidentiality. Right now, currently, if if um, the the municipalities put on these EAPs, Employee Assistance Program. But who pays for that? The municipality. So if an officer has, like, some sort of uh, depression issue, anxiety, um, PTSD, and he uses that and then later gets sued, all that stuff can come out, right? If if two cops are talking, I mean, think about it. If, if you and Jeff are talking and you're going through some issues, you tell Jeff. The chief of police comes out and says, Jeff, what's, what's, what's Dave telling you? He says, nothing. He's like, no, it's an order. What's he telling you? I know he's going through some problems. At that point, he has to say something because it's an order, right? With this, Jeff could come back and say, it's none of your business. It's not affecting his work. Or, you know what, I've got him steered in the right direction. We're going to take care of him. We're going to make sure he sees whatever. And he doesn't have to divulge that. Um, because the PTSD, depression, anxiety – it's being addressed more and more and more, and it's not just a, um, it's not just in Illinois, but it's 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 starting to become like a, a nationwide uh, identified problem. It's always been there. Um, it's been there throughout the ages. Guys just back, older generations dealt with it different, self medicated, drinking prescription drugs. But what 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 we're start but what we're starting to find out is since <clears throat> the war in Iraq Afghanistan and we're starting to get a lot of these studies come back from that the medical has advanced the diagnosis has advanced um, and what you, what you see is right now now this is important that, that people realize is right now police officers are double the general population of depression right uh, they're double in anxiety about some some estimations um, some studies show that police officers one-third have PTSD another study 47 percent of officers have the first few symptoms of PTSD right now what people don't realize is when you get hired as a police officer you have to go through all sorts of uh, 
evaluations, psychology tests, this or that. So when they pull these guys out to become police officers, they're, they're supposed to be mentally the healthiest group, right? Because we went through all this testing. So if this is the healthiest group of guys that you have, and then throughout their career, they're double the general population, close to a third half PTSD, anxiety issues, things like that, what's that job doing to them? And it's not just one instance. It, it's it's what they call the, you know, the vicarious trauma, the day in and day out, you know? It, you know, four hours before you go to work, your body starts to stress out because you're getting ready mentally to go to work. When you get off work, it takes about four hours to decrease. So 12 hours a day, you're at that, that, that code yellow zone of I'm getting prepared mentally to go to work, go there, you do what you do, you come back, and it takes about four hours to, to, to decompress. And there's no outlet. Um, and what we've seen is a, a larger and larger increase on disability filings for mental health issues. So guys are filing for PTSD, anxiety issues, stress-related issues. When those type of things could be addressed, and they should be, but they're not. They're not being addressed because of civil liability, lawsuits. If if a department, guys feel, you know, if I went to a department and said, hey, I'm having issues, what are they going to do? That guy still could work, do his job fine. But administrator's going to do what? He's a liability. Make him shred paper for the next two weeks. You know, make him do this, make him do that, make him do this. Divorce, I think, right now for police officers is like 86%. Um, alcoholism is through the roof. You know, I mean, it's just all these stats are out there. Um, so the goal was when, when, when I wrote the legislation is give these guys some sort of an outlet so they can, you know, get sent to whatever treatment or whatever help that they need to get them back on track. Well, our outlet used to be we could yell and cuss at each other, but you can't do that anymore. No, yeah, I, I mean you just can't. Kinder and gentler. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Sean. Uh, it's 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 an it's an ongoing problem in law enforcement, and there's probably you know in first responders totally. Like you said, it's uh, the numbers, and there's been a lot more studies being going on because of the war war aspect after nine eleven, all the problems we dealt with that as a nation, and then uh, like I said, police officers are really taking the blunt of it. I, I teach a couple courses on how to uh, about mental mental problems on the job and the stresses that go along with it, and we are seeing a rapid and especially with the suicide that is that is the most alarming number that I've seen and uh, we had a show on it earlier in our our season, <clears throat> and it just uh, it just blew my mind it was that high, right. and, and that's a serious serious right. problem. Right, and, right, and, it, and in the, in the economic numbers, and, and we just talked about the pension issues, and uh, you know when you start uh, combining these, which it's going to be an increased problem for the pension funds and for municipalities if we don't get a handle on it, and it's something we all need to work together, both the both on the uh, the officer side of it and the administrative side, so we can come to some type of agreement. I'm just glad that you're really pushing this uh, legislation forward, so we can get the problems worked out so we can address the problem. Right, right, right. <clears throat> and that's where we're at with it. But uh, uh, we cannot have uh, the casualties that we're suffering now in law enforcement with the suicide rate being that high. That's just ridiculous. No, and, and part, part of the problem, too, is it. And the, the study that, that got done it was out of Buffalo, New York. I don't know how they picked Buffalo, but they, they picked Buffalo, New York, and 
and it showed that just depression alone, officer with depression will cost municipality about $5,000. And that's called, you know, people calling in sick, not doing their job, not performing. It's, it's a five, financially, it's $5,000 a year for that guy. Um, but then when you start adding on, um, you know, retirements early or disabilities, it just keeps compounding. Now, it, the problem is, and it, there's no scientific evidence based on it, but when you, when you actually just break it down, because I, you know, I've testified it, uh, in Washington, D.C. And, and down in Springfield, it's one of those things. Think about it. Since since 2008, departments have what? Constantly gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, some departments down by 20%, 30% less guys. Now, crime hasn't gone down, but the number of cops who were responding to the crime have gone down. So you're putting more burden on the individual cop to do more day in and day out, Right. These guys are working harder, working longer, having to do more. Society, I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, society doesn't know what they want their officers to be. Uh, one day they want us to be teachers, counselors, you know, uh, you know, youth programmers, just, right? We're cops. So, so society changes faster than the, than the law can. But when you don't have enough officers to actually deal with it and you compound that, it's going to have a long-term effect on these guys. Um, and it's one of those things that nobody wants to touch because if something bad does happen, then that officer's out of control. We've got a rogue cop. We've got this. We've got that. But yet, at the same time, uh, the government, the municipalities, whoever, they do nothing to help address these issues, to get these guys to make sure they're healthy, to make sure they're doing the right thing. Um, back in the 90s, and I can't find the study, and, and I've asked several people, but apparently there was a study done in San Diego where they, they hired a whole group of guys – one year in San Diego. They tracked them uh, five years later. They did the same psychological testing. Ten years later, they did the same psychological So at five years, 30% of those guys that got hired couldn't pass the same psychological testing that they did when they got hired. At ten years, it was over 50%, and then the government cut the uh, CDC cut that program. We don't even no longer see that study because they don't want that stuff out because, you know, it's that day in and day out grind that these guys go through, and then they take it home. And, you know, let's face it, when you get home and you're making everybody's decision for you and your wife says, hey, you know, what do you want for dinner? You say, I don't care. And then the next thing you know, you're in an argument because she says you never care. It's like, dude, well, I, I don't care because you don't, right? So what ends up happening? The, the problems, issues, things like that start to arise. And these guys need a way to, to vent that, stay, stay on the right course, and, and get the help that they need. And it's a nationwide problem. It's just not here in our state or our local jurisdiction. It's a, a nationwide problem that needs to be addressed. And, and, and we need administrations to start taking a look at their own department and coming up with some type of direction from a national uh, solutions to these type of problems. But when I talked to some officers over the last year, you know, I think the biggest stress factor that they're dealing with right now is social media. You know, they're being second guessed, judged, and everything else. That's I, We talked about generational problems, you know, how we used to do things 20 years ago to get rid of our stress. Now these guys are on social media 24-7 and listen to all the negativity. You know, uh, we just had a, a homicide here a couple weeks ago where it was a large fight broke out in the park between some girls, and they get stabbed. And, of course, the police are being criticized for not getting there fast enough not doing what they should have done and all that. And we're the problem that this girl got stabbed, you know, and that's all on Facebook and social media. And these guys are reading this type of stuff. And then 
the story just gets bigger and bigger right. and bigger. So, and like I told these officers, you know, best thing I think best therapy we can give these guys now is just tell them to stay off social media, stay away from that. And maybe that can help your mental wellness a little bit from the get go. But Right, right. The media is definitely not. There, there's no this. upside to being on social media. No, you can't win there. And, and, but it affects this generation of new officers. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I just say it's just a, a big influence in affecting them when it comes to their mental health. Right. The, Right, and that I mean that goes to, um, I mean society as a whole. I, I I testified last year, and a representative out of a, a really bad district out of Chicago. Uh, I I went there talking about pension stuff. Next thing you know, he he started uh, to bad about the police, then police are this, police are that, and, and he's talking about his area of Chicago. And and I told him like, what what do you want from the police? I said because if you, if you tell a police officer this is what I want, he'll get it done. Right, I said so. The crime and the shootings and the murders in his district were through the roof. But then I looked at him. I said, but if the cops come in and start cleaning up business and start taking care of things, making traffic stops and shaking people down there so that you complain because then you feel like you're being harassed. You can't have it both ways. Pick and choose what you want. If you want them to come in and do it, they'll do it. You give them a task, they'll complete it. Now, what they don't, what the politicians don't want to hear is, in most general public, don't get his police work's dirty. I mean, we deal with that 5%, 7% of the population is just dirty, filthy, and we have to do things that nobody else could, right? And then when somebody makes a mistake, when you got seconds to do something, then all of a sudden it's it's in the media, it shuts everything down. And then these guys, not only the person who, who maybe didn't make the right choice or the right decision in that split second, but then everybody around them is affected by it because they go home and have to deal with it. Um, and it, it comes down to is it's not police work is just nasty dirty filthy and we deal with that population rated r best way to describe it right it's r-rated well and 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 i've told this story before but it's like when the nfl is investigating a player because he punches his wife out you tell that to a police officer every one of us knows exactly what that looked like then they show the video and the general public loses its mind and we're all looking at that going no, you were already told he punched her, knocked her out. That's what it looks like. Well, they don't see that. We see it every day. And so I'm like, no, that's what violence looks like. That's what one person putting their will on top of another person, this is what it looks like. It's not television. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be ugly. And then when they see ugly, they're like, well, we want you to go make it better. And then when we use force, well, guess what? That looks ugly too. And then they're like, well, can't you do it and it, so it doesn't look so bad? And I'm like, no, I don't know a magic way to use force. There's not a really uh, politically correct way to hit somebody with a nightstick or, or uh, zap them with a taser or shoot them with a gun. doesn't exist. can't do it. Nope. No, but you know, you know the, the, the bad thing to that, too, is is that day in and day out, what that officer deals with, day in and day out, seeing all that violence, seeing the criticism, the shootings, the, the violence, um, even when they show up to do something good and and – they get criticized and yelled at and screamed at, you know, we hate the police. And then all of a sudden they carry that back. That impacts that guy. The longer he does it, the more it's going to impact him. And not only does it impact him, it impacts everybody, he, you know, he's close to his family, his kids, his wife, his friends. And next thing you know, that, you know, that, that guy is thinking about suicide or drinking too much or, you know, he doesn't sleep the way he should be sleeping. or, And then that guy comes back to work just to, what, do it all over again. 
and and that that's part of the problem too. I mean, it, it, there it's it's police work's not a clean business. Yeah, I mean, but what's not. sad about it is, and, and everyone knows if you're honest with yourself, <clears throat> you see a troubled officer. Everyone knows he's a troubled officer. Right. You go to the administration and you say, you need to talk to this guy. Why? There's no problem. Right. Well, they, yeah, they, they don't want to because it's liability. Right. So we just, it, until it blows up and then they're like, right. why didn't you guys do something about this? And right. Just look at him like. Right. And instead of intervening early on, the next thing you know, that guy's being disciplined for something that, that he shouldn't be disciplined if, right. if there was early intervention. And. And but but so many so many administrators out there nationwide look at it as they get in those positions and then it all of a sudden becomes a liability and they don't want to hear it. It's just like bad thing go away, and it's just like it's a liability if you don't address it. Right? And if they would listen to their own words when they say the most important thing we have is our individual officers, our employees, and we're going to take care. Of, if you lived by that code, right, things work so much better. It would. It would. So where's your legislation at, Curran? What's what is the opposition towards your legislation that well, you're hearing so far? Right, right now the, the legislation, the, the 90% of it's probably going to pass this, this session. Um, there's a House bill, um, I think it's 2766. I, that number might be wrong, but the, the Senate version is Senate Bill 730. That's the one that uh, um, I'm pushing for. 90% of both bills are the same. The differences on the Senate bill is we're trying to to um, make sure that the training aspect is now what's happened is two years ago when I first introduced the legislation, um, everybody kind of agreed, everybody liked it, everybody, it was kind of this feel-good kind of a thing, but it really wasn't getting addressed until recent suicides in Chicago. Now, the suicide rate in Chicago really hasn't gone up that much. It's just getting out publicity, right? Um, but now because that's happened, you're getting more uh, senators and representatives jumping on board wanting to do something with it. My problem is, and, and this is what I've told them, is I'm trying to box in the training aspect. Um, I've developed training through Northern Illinois University uh, Psychology Department to put out the training of the officers. It's going to be free. It's going to be one of those where since it's the university system, if the grant money and the funding keeps going, uh, you know, U of I, all these other universities throughout the state can put on the training. You've got special interest groups out there who don't like that because they want to put on their own training um, because they, can, they, they see dollar signs. They, they see a money grab because there's more funding for it. And what I've testified is, is the grant money should go to the university for further development, further research, further this, right? Nobody should make a profit off of a, uh, an officer or a public safety person, uh, their mental health. Um, so that's the sticking point. Um, we're kind of back and forth on that. Uh, the other problem is, obviously, you've got trial lawyers. Their lobbyists are throwing a fit. They think that anything an officer, you know, whatever, they should have access to it, all of it. Uh, and we're saying no because an officer is just not going to go seek help, you know, if, if, if there's potential lawsuits. So, so they're opposing it. Um, different uh, groups as far as, like, the Sheriff's Association, some other places who feel uh, – uh, that they should know everything, every single aspect of their employee. We should have the right to know this, 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 and this. Well, it's not true. If you read the bill itself, and, and it, it's very detailed. If an officer says, I'm going to commit suicide or thinking about this or that, the person that he tells that to is mandated to go to a supervisor. 
if that officer uh, admits to criminal activity, that's mandated reporting, right? There's all these mandated reportings, you know, for that loophole that people are concerned about. But the day in and day struggles, it's none of their business. We train guys, get them trained to identify it, train them how to intervene. We're not training cops to be counselors. But then at that point, once we identify an officer has a problem, we're going to send somebody to go talk to them. And then we're going to go refer them to, to, to actual treatment, help, whatever the case may be, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's just, you know, go, go to a therapist, whatever, to get them back on track. Um, so you get those oppositions. The, the biggest opposition, though, right now is the training because there's, you know, it's like any police training. You get a group of guys, they could sit in a garage and, and over an 18-pack of beer come up with a training program. Um, our problem is we want this done by professionals, you know, professors, doctors. They come in, do the training with officers, get it out there, and then, you know, nobody should make a profit off it. Uh, 90% of it right now, the bill passed this session. Um, how it gets passed We'll see how, you know, how it goes. But for for the most part, it'll be a good thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing through, you know, a lot of administrators in the law enforcement across the state have been talking about this and, and, and are getting ahead of the the curve here on this. Even our local jurisdiction here is uh, very proactive when it comes to early intervention with the officers and, and getting some help. And uh, like you said, it's just uh, – trying to uh, prevent them getting uh, put on a light desk job and right. those type of things when it hasn't raised to that level yet. And it's going to be a, a period of time before we get it all figured out, but hopefully we're going in the right direction because, like you said, the suicide rate is just not acceptable. No. It's not acceptable. I think, I think didn't we say it was over? There was more officers that killed themselves last year than that was killed in the line of duty or right. something like that, wasn't it? And that's that's just ridiculous, right? Well, there was one statistic that that uh, um, I read out of one study done by a, he was a New York State trooper. Uh, he retired, became a uh, a doctor, and he did a study, and it showed that thirty I want to say it was like thirty one, thirty two percent of police officers at one point in their career um, thought about admitted to thinking about suicide. Okay, that's a third. Now, out of that third, his study came out that said. Um, just a little less than half actually attempted it at one point, right? And I actually uh, was able to meet with him, um, flew out, talked to him about his study, ran through some numbers, things like that. And he even admitted that when you look at these studies, uh, the, the problem with law enforcement is you're engineered and you're trained in such a way that when when they try and study it, Guys don't tell you they, – they, they will not tell you the truth. You know, the alcoholism, the prescription drugs, the depression, the anxiety. And then you go to them and, and you can say, we're, we're going to do a blind study. Boom. They're not going to answer it truthfully because they're worried about the repercussion, you know. Um, they're worried about that, hey, suck it up. You just got to suck it up and just, you know, whatever. So, you know, all these numbers are suppressed. And the suicide rate is one of the things that, you know, when I talk to them, um, it's, it's a well over double the amount of, of officers who get killed in the line of duty, well over double commit suicide. Right now, the problem with that, and we found is in the reporting, there are so many more officers who commit suicide, but in the reporting, the agencies will write it up as another investigation to protect the family. They're going to protect their own, right? 
So that number is even higher than what the stats are, right? So, you know, it even goes back. But then we start looking at uh, what's even worse than active officers is the officers who retire. Now, if you break down the retirees' suicide rate, it's over double the active guys. Within the first five years, the suicide rate among retired cops is like close to triple than the active cops. Because these guys, I mean, think about it. You spent 30 years dealing with everybody's issues. And in that 30 years, you know what? Everybody in this room is retired. And I can guarantee you, just from what I've learned, I bet that all you guys could say, maybe you got two, three close friends. And those close friends are what? Other cops. So once they retire, they, they feel, okay, now I'm alienated because I don't go into work. I'm not around that. They, you know, they, they get that, that whole, uh, uh, I don't know what to do with myself at this point aspect. And they, they start to, they start to fall into that sort of depression, anxiety. And then that is well above what the active officers are. And it's one of those things that it's preventable. It, but what it comes down to is you got to change the thought process. You got to change the, the outlook. Administrators have to recognize that, you know what, I can't keep putting more and more and more on these guys without some sort of breaking point. And then once they get close, we got to address it um, without worried about lawsuits and, and the stigma and all this other stuff. I mean, you're asking these guys to go in and deal with everybody else's problems. But when they get off, they don't deal with their own. So basically what you're saying, it's like anything else in this country. Whenever we get a bunch of attorneys, if it's a politician in the Congress or any other organization, we're going to really dirty this up and make it a lot more complicated than what it needs to be. Right, right. Instead of just getting people the help they need. Right, 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 yeah. right. And the thing is, it's one of those things when when I'm down there and I've been, I've been out to Washington, and it's such a weird dynamic between Springfield, Illinois, and Washington, D.C., because you watch the, the the national news and, you know, you got all this hatred, blah, blah, blah. Then you got, you know, you get down to Springfield. Springfield's so much worse than D.C. Um, the people in D.C., they may not agree with each other, but they're eating lunch together. You see senators, this or that, right? Um, but, you know, what tends to happen is, is you know, the way the, way the media reports it, um, the way society is, it's one of those they don't want to hear it. They, we don't want to recognize that, that that there might be issues with these guys that we employ to, to go out there and, and do what they need to do day in and day out. So, But it's very nonpartisan. I've had, um, I've had Republicans who are dead set against it, any sort of um, uh, bill, that, that, that mental health bill, dead set against it. Now, I've had Democrats who are all for it, right? Um, and it, it goes back and forth both ways. It, it, it depends on where they're sitting at at the table, right? The you know the conservatives, you know, you get certain groups, trial lawyers, things like that, and, you, and then you can see who's opposing a bill, and then I can pull up and say, okay, who's taking money from who? Well, no wonder he's opposing it because the last time he ran for election, trial lawyers gave him forty grand, right? Where when you get to the more democratic side of it, the more liberal side, they recognize, hey, people have issues. They need treatment, right? They need help. They need this, 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 and this. But then you can flip it around, and the liberals want to put more and more and more and more on the officer 
where the you know the, the, the conservatives, hey, these guys are here to enforce the law, right? So it's just like this mixed bag. I mean, it 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 it, it gets convoluted, yeah. you know. Well, I'll tell you what, that's going to do it for this episode of Cop Talk America. And uh, Sean, thanks for everything you're doing down in Springfield and in Washington D.C. And uh, keep up the great work. We'll be back. Yeah.